Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hello, hello. This is the Real Talk SLP podcast. I'm your host, Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy, and we are on another episode. We are actually in December. It's like, you guys, you're so close. You're so close to winter break. I know that things are probably, um, everything's due right now. I either have a big influx around like September all through October, and then it dies a little bit. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh no, winter break's coming. And so (laughs) trying to get all the IEPs and everything done in three weeks before the break is always a little hectic. And then of course you have, you know, things outside of work that you're trying to do um, and enjoy the the holiday season. So today I'm going to be bringing on a really fun guest, Dr. Tanita Kearney, and we're going to be talking about books and how to use books um, and with your preschool age students so that you can work on a variety of goals with them and, and also build literacy. Um, if you, if you've been following me for a while, you know, I love books and, uh, books can be just a really effective tool to use in the therapy room. Number one, because you can just grab it off the shelf, um, and know that what's inside has lots of different targets and ways to work on students' goals. So I think today when you hear this episode with Tanita, you're going to be really inspired with some some really practical strategies for using books with your preschool students. So before we jump into that interview, I wanted to remind you all that the 12 Days of Giving is going on right now. So every December for 12 days, I pamper all my Rockstar SLPs as a way to just bring some sunshine into your world and, um, and you know, just to give back and say thanks for all the support that you have provided over the years. It is always um, a privilege and an honor to serve SLPs in the trenches with my materials, my blog posts, my blog posts, my podcast, however you connect with me. Um, I am very grateful for your support, continued support. And I always want to remind you that I know that. And that's how I do that with the 12 days of giving. So I will put in the show notes, the link to sign up because the grand prize, you can sign up anytime between December 1st and through the 12th. The grand prize is two lucky SLPs are just, they're going to win $500 each, um, either Venmo or a Visa gift card. But then throughout the days, uh, there's some really fun, just giveaways and prizes and, and things that and I email SLPs some goodies and stuff. So make sure you sign up. There's still time. And let's head on over to the interview with Tanita. All right. Welcome, Tanita, to the show. I'm so glad you're here today. We're going to be talking about how SLPs can use books to build language with preschoolers. And I think that a lot of SLPs are going to find this episode really valuable. So welcome. 
Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to chat about books because I love books. And I think SLPs always need more strategies with using them with the younger students because, you know, sometimes attention spans or not knowing what to do with the book to cover goals and skills is always something that I'm looking to grow in. So before we jump into that topic, I would love to hear a little bit more about you as an SLP, you know, your background, what you're passionate about, you know, how many years in the field, go for it. <laughs> sure. So I uh, am a pediatric SLP. I'm the, the type who just does not have any interest in anyone who's older than elementary school age. <laughs> So I am currently working part-time in a um, school in my county here in Maryland. Um, I did also dabble in the private practice world, but I have since kind of moved on to different things and phased that part out. But I have to have my hands on the kitties, so I am still sticking with the part-time working schools. I have a history, my entire career, I guess you can call that. It's been about 11 years now. I'm so bad with time. 2011, <laughs> so I became official. And so I started off and still do work really closely with children with autism. They are my babies. Love them. And working with their families on just empowering them, building up those communication skills. And books, I mean, are an amazing, super easy way to do that for sure. So that's a bit about me. Oh, I'll also add that I went for all my degrees. So I had my bachelor's, my master's, and my PhD from Howard University, HU, you know. Um, and so, you know, still sticking kind of close to home there. But yeah, that is mostly all with the last thing I'll add being that I've just started dabbling into the world of entrepreneurship in a different kind of vein. So I have a whole now line of products and books too that are really geared towards SLPs like us, also parents um, and teachers that we can dive more into later on. But I think I've left nothing out. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I was going to be like, did you say you have your PhD? Because that is a huge accomplishment. And she is an author. And so we will talk about that a little bit later because she has a whole book line that's really cute and designed by an SLP for a speech pathologist. So we always love those books that we can target a ton of different goals. And so I'm excited to hear more about that. But yeah, so I usually ask all of my guests to share a song or a song lyric that either reminds them um, of the field of speech pathology or on the topic. So if you have a song that reminds you of working with preschool age students, um, I'd love to hear which song you chose and why. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this touch, that was just like a song. Um, but I sat for like two minutes and was able to think of a song that I used to always love to hear. Um, it's by Nas and it's called I Can. So it's like, it goes, I know I can be what I want to be. Oh, I know that one. Think yeah. I wear a card in it. <laughs> I'll be where I want to be. So, and I won't continue singing. But yeah, so that's a song that definitely reminds me of my kids and how I feel about them and how I want them to feel each time they're in my presence and just, you know, around me. Just remind that they can do any single thing. Yes, that's a great song for preschool because we want to believe in them, that they can do anything. And, and it is cool when they start to, to really showcase that. Right. Um, so that's a perfect song. 
for working with preschoolers. So let's let's jump in and you know share a little bit about why speech pathologists should consider using books with preschoolers and how can it improve language for the child? Like kind of just like why you are pro books, I guess, for preschoolers and therapy. Yes, definitely pro books. So, I mean, the most basic reason is that uh, kind of using books helps to grow the little imaginations. It does develop their cognitive skills. And this is all we want them to be working on to be ready for school um, and in life, right, in general. So, I mean, the basic facts of reading and its benefits. I know people have heard when you read 20 minutes a day, you'll read, you know, over 1.8 or just about 1.8 million words a year. Um, and that is cool to know, but that also translates to school success, right? So kids who read even just 1 million words per year are in the top 2% of reading achievement. Reading undergirds everything. It's definitely going to grow language skills and just set them up for success. And it is just the easiest thing to do. So why do it? Because there is no downside. <laughs> I know. I, I, I love books. I was raised reading books at an early age. And, you know, we need to keep promoting that as well with the age of the digital, you know, technology can be, uh, tricky. And then I'm hoping today too, you'll show, you know, cause sometimes I've had in the past, like if I see a kid who has like maybe a 30 second attention span, mm -hmm. just kind of, will just, I mean, even as a clinician, I've been like, oh, they're not ready for books. And I've had to kind of adjust my mindset too, that like, no, we can use them. We're just going to use them in a different way, or we're going to work up to it a certain way where we want them to be. So, yes. Yeah, so I, I know with preschoolers, sometimes we're going to encounter that where the kids are maybe a limited attention span and they struggle with sitting. And so we just maybe are going, okay, well, not right now. But I have found that if I work up towards really sitting and using the book, it has long-term benefits too. So, yeah, to jump into the next question. I know that um, many SLPs, sometimes they, I think they love books. You know, stereotypically, we're language lovers in general. We like to read books ourselves. But some questions I get from clinicians is that they struggle with like how to select a book. What would be some of your tips for a clinician looking at their library of books, like selecting an appropriate book for the preschool age group? And then like, what types of things do you look for in the text or the story that help you with knowing that this is a good fit for a particular group or for a, or a child? Great question. Um, so I keep it super basic. I always start with what the child's interests are. Um, so when I'm thinking of what kind of book to choose, I'm thinking, what does this child like to do? You know, what shows they like to watch? What, what, what kind of life events have just occurred maybe in their lives that could be relevant to them that they're interested in or can relate to? Uh, what games they like to play? Things of that nature. So start there and I kind of see what I can think of or find that relates to or connect to any of those interests. Of course, at the preschool age, it's all about picture books. So that's where I'm usually starting. Um, and the tools that I'm using to find these books are as basic as the school library, the public library, um, but even those online libraries, 
like, you know, getepic.com. I love those for sure. So easy. You can have them practice reading on their own or have it kind of read to them for a portion. There are also even YouTube um, read aloud books you can go to if you simply can't find anything at all hard copy. There is a site called diversebookfinder.org where you can be purposeful about finding books that also include people that look like people in the world do, but you need to expose children to as well. Um, and even, you know, Boom Card Adapted Stories. So I love a good Boom Card. <laughs> um, and they have tons of adapted stories on there as well and other materials. And even social media, <laughs> right? You can go there. There are SOPs like Shantae Glover-Jones uh, at Having Our Say, who was like a huge library of different books that target different specific skills, um, even different topics. So that's kind of my quick tips for selecting the books. Just go out, use your resources to find that book based on that child's interest. And then once you find some options um, to narrow it down, I love a good rhyming book. So that's what I shoot for. And I also like books that keep it kind of simple. So really vivid pictures, not a whole bunch of words to go through. But even if I do find a text that has like amazing pictures that I can talk about a lot of things with, but the text is a bit too complex, I still use it. We just kind of focus less on the text and more about the pictures and make up the story if we need to based on those pictures. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so define books, library, get epic, and then diversebookfinder.org. Can you type in an age range and will it pop it up or or more of a, a theme? You can actually do both. Um, but what I typically do is I just search in like a theme. So for example, if it's like birthdays, I type in birthdays. If it's a holiday, I just type in the word holiday and a bunch of different books pop up for you. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And I love the suggestion of the boom card. Like when you say adapted stories, you're talking about someone that's created a story that's a, with pictures and shortened text. So that could be also a great option. And then I follow Tay as well, and she has great recommendations. I've gotten a lot from her. Uh, but I do the same thing as you too, is I look at the pictures. And if there's a lot going on and there is too much text, I do the same thing as you and I just modify it. Or I'll try to find a book that is really simple text, but I want to use that, especially if the kid has goals or needs in the area of broad skills like grammar, vocabulary, WH questions. I don't know. This might be, I, hope, I don't know if you have the answer to this, but I mean, what does writing books, how important is that also for the kids' language development or why, why I think kids gravitate towards rhyming books. Right. I don't know why, but they do at that age. Rhyming is just fun. Yeah, they definitely do gravitate towards it. I mean, rhyming helps you to work on um, phonetics so you can manipulate the beginnings and endings of rhyming words and kind of get a better understanding of how to blend and segment. I don't often work on those kind of skills with this age group, but it certainly is a benefit for sure. And it's a skill they're going to be expected to have mastered also, which makes it just useful to go over and get them familiar with before they get to, you know, kindergarten, because it is going to be a skill they're going to have to demonstrate um, for sure. So Yeah, that's a good point too, that the rhyming books even incorporate phonemic awareness, all those, if those are some of the goals that you want to work on. So I love all these tips. 
Yeah, that was my next question is what types of goals or strategies do you use when using books so that you're really maximizing that material in your sessions? Mm -hmm. Well, my number one strategy is to start with the cover, right? I think as SOPs and just adults in general, we don't give kids enough choices, enough power, enough opportunities to give us their answers first and their thoughts first before we kind of guide them on their way. So I start with the cover and I always just ask, what do you think this book is about? Look at this picture. What's going to happen in this book? What's going to be next, right? This is a no wrong answer question. It's a no pressure book question. It's just a, what do you think, right? So that kind of primes them to kind of talk more and get more excited. I find that when I'm kind of first opening the book and asking just one or two questions per page and not waiting pages and pages or to the end of the book to start asking questions, um, then there's less frustration. They are really tracking, they get more excited. And then I do make it a point to pay real close attention to frustration levels. So I can get excited about reading a book, any kind of book, and stay excited. <laughs> but I have to be really focused on how the child's responding. And I do notice if they're showing any signs of frustration, for example, if the kiddo is like working on WH questions and just cannot get this thing right, I'm giving them, you know, response choices immediately at that first sign, or I'm giving the answer and then pausing and asking them again. So just taking the kind of load off. I do not want to associate the act of like reading and going through a book with stress and frustration and constant wrong answers, right? It's about keeping them fun and keeping it fun and keeping them engaged. So I also don't just ask skill-based questions. So I'm not necessarily so tied to the IEP goal or objective I'm working on or trying to target. I'm weaving in pretty consistently a bunch of random open-ended questions related to the pictures that allows me not only to give their brain a break a little bit on kind of goal-oriented stuff, but also it gives me a peek into their thought process, uh, their interests, what they pick up on and what they just like to talk about, their lives, right? This gives me real insight into kind of just who they are as a person and all that stuff becomes so valuable as we continue to work on other goals with books or without books, right? I might plug in a would you rather question based on a picture or what would you do if question based on the picture that we see, even of what do you think will happen next question where the pressure is off and whatever they say is awesome and gets lots of praise and reinforcement. Yeah, I love that. You answered it the way I was hoping you would. It sounds like a lot of, you know, the fancy term would be shared book reading strategies. You know, what we already naturally do these things. But um, yeah, I love like you said, starting with the cover. And I love the whole idea of like asking no pressure questions where we're not really critiquing the child's answer either. We're letting them be a part of the process because yeah, books are supposed to be fun. And I know that we as SLPs, especially school-based SLPs that have to document all the data for the IEP, I know I can sometimes get stuck with like, no, I got to take data. So I got to ask more questions and I'm taking data and we're scoring them. And in that reminder that like, we need to ask them some fun questions and engaging questions. Um, and so I love, yeah, I love that tip. And I love the whole checking for frustration levels. I know that I'll see that a lot, not even frustration levels, but uh, wiggle levels. 
Right. <laughs> Where I'm like, okay, we better hurry through the book. <laughs> and I've had that happen more when I do co-teaching. One thing that I've been trying to do a little bit more is asking a um, real, like a real life question or remembering like a big, big idea question that is related. Like maybe we're talking about zoo animals, but we're going to, but the theme from that book is maybe like, where would you like to go in your city? You know, that's the theme question that you keep asking every, you know, they may not answer every in the beginning, but as we continue to use that book and talk about things in your city that you go visit, like the big question is like, how can we help them personally relate to it? And so, yeah, and I did like that tip about finding what's relatable to them or what something that they've experienced, especially with preschool kids, because when they've experienced it, they're like, they want to talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> oh. So I love that. All right. So how do we help kids in the schools who are, you know, how do we help them make progress outside the speech room? Um, you know, how could SLPs use books to increase parent or teacher buy-in to use the books either outside of the session or in the classroom? Like, what are some tips do you have for helping the the staff or the parent support do these things in the home? Yeah, that is always the trickiest part, trying to get what you're seeing in the therapy room to translate to class and at home, right? So I have found, I mean, just the easier I can make it for parents and teachers, just the more, the quicker, and the more they do buy in, right? I think we all like life to be easier. And so that is kind of just the, the end there. So what I often do is to chat with my teachers to see if there are all any themes that he or she will be kind of going over that I might be able to work in with the book. And then I suggest they use the book and if I can find or Google like a lesson plan to make the planning and incorporating of that book even easier for them that I can supply with that book um that even better right and that's with teachers right so teachers really appreciate you taking the time for the searching off their hands <laughs> so applying that book and a lesson plan that you've Googled that took you five seconds to Google and kind of put out there or one that you have looked over and just added some notes where they can ask certain questions, just making it as easy as possible. I am good for creating a quick PowerPoint, <laughs> you know, based on a book or a theme and incorporating some questions and pictures and supplying that to my teachers that they can use as well. So just a suggestion, um, I know many SOPs are super bogged down. So the easiest option typically is just to Google a lesson plan and supply it. And once you find a good book, even if you have a teacher who is more receptive to just having a chat about how they can maybe use a book, just tossing the idea their way often is enough to get them to kind of take a step back and really think about, okay, this book is a great book. I can use it in these ways. Let me go ahead and go for it. You know, sometimes we just need the suggestion, just the thought. Um, so that helps with my teachers often. With the parents, I will say, honestly, I start with just having a conversation about how huge an impact reading at home can have. I mean, what parent does not want the best for their child, right? So I, I just mention it. I bring it to their foref to forefront of their minds just to consider. And then what I also do is 
I try to use tools to make it, again, super easy. So I mentioned earlier um, the Epic books. On that site, getepic.com, you absolutely can add students. And you can track and see how much they're reading, what books they've read, and how long they've read that book for. Um, so if you have that ability. I think it was free. I think it's still free. I think it's still free. Is it free for parents? That's a great question. But even if it is not a parent account, if it's your the SLP's account, you can still track it, right? It's just them saying, okay, go ahead on to the website, read a couple of books. And then if we need to, I also work with parents on incentivizing that as well, right? So there are definitely some rewards that kids can appreciate getting that they don't get in school. They get only at home and working together with the parents to work on, okay, you read this book for this certain amount of time. Um, either with mom and dad or with whoever, or sometimes even by yourself, just slipping through because both is, we'll take both, right? Sometimes by yourself, time together. And then you get to earn this by the end of the week or what have you. That also I've seen work for sure. And also reminding parents that it does not take, you know, an hour a day, just five minutes at bedtime will work, you know, anything, any exposure to books and that one-on-one time, if it's just even five minutes is beneficial. Um, and so I find those to be kind of helpful. Oh, I will also mention, I think sometimes we take for granted just how naturally, like you mentioned earlier, this all comes to us. And so when I do supply books or suggest books, I also do like to supply questions that mom or dad or caregiver can ask every page or every other page or so, because that also takes the stress off of them and makes the process just enjoyable and super easy to get through. So that's how I've been working it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love all your ideas. I think like the teachers, they got so much on their plates. So if we can lighten their load, and sometimes that might even be like getting something on TPT and being like, here you exactly go. Exactly right. Or whatever, <laughs> wherever you can find it. And then, yeah, the chatting is usually as, as long as the teacher's on board, because usually they're like, why are you bothering me again? <laughs> At least that's, it's like 50-50. They either want it or they're like, just tell me what I need to do. <laughs> but yeah, I love those suggestions with parents. And I think sometimes we forget even the simplest things of just like the first goal is getting them to read a book once a week or getting that baseline. Like how often do you sit down and read a book and like giving them some mindset shifts that you can read the book only five minutes. You can do it at right. lunchtime. You don't have to do it at nighttime. You need to figure out what works for your schedule and working with the parent. And I remember I went to like a training. This was like 10 years ago, but even just finding out like, well, why aren't there any books in their house or why don't they go to the library? And it was, you know, some families, they don't want to pay the fines. you know. And that would be me every time I go to the library. I'm like, why did I do this? Because I didn't set an alarm. So it's like trying to figure out like, why are books either not in the home or why isn't book reading happening? Or, you know, why aren't they seeing the value? Maybe it is parent training, the strategies that you're, you know, like giving them the questions, like getting, taking away any roadblocks exactly. and making no assumptions about why. No assumption. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, those are all really practical tips. So I, I loved all those tips. I think hopefully this encourages SLPs to start 
using books a little bit more. I tend to also try to find ways to incorporate other like story retail with a sensory bin or something else for the kid. I don't know if you like sensory bins or do you have any activities that you enjoy? Do you try to find extension activities after reading the book? Oh, yeah, you know, look, I'm an SLT. We love a good theme, right? So we try to tie it all in. I do crafts. I definitely have a sensory bin with a lot of things in there for sure. Yeah, definitely. As many ways to tie in the themes and aspects of that story to make it stick. Absolutely. Yep. I'm always pulling something or doing something. And in fact, um, with my classrooms that I push into, usually my autism classrooms, I'm like sticking with that story for two weeks, right? And we're just finding different ways, different questions to ask, different videos to pull to show you what we're talking about in real life. And, you know, just yes. So yes. <laughs> yeah. So you're really, you're using that book to structure your therapy for at least two weeks, which saves time for the SLP. It creates more opportunities for the kids and, and that's what they need. And, and yeah, so you're saving your sanity a little bit and you're also empowering the child or the children. So I love all those tips and it kind of goes too with your, the books you've created. I know you have even some kits that go with the books too. So like before we wrap up, I want you to talk to people about your books and all the stuff that you have in your store, because I know some people might be looking for holiday gifts or just treat yourself things for their therapy rooms. Yes. So I, you know, I think like many of us, I each year found myself working with these kiddos uh, and it's always, it seemed to be the same exact goals, the same objectives. And I started to ask myself, okay, what of these can I help parents to work on so that these kids can maybe not make their way to me or any SLP, but have these skills strengthened to a point where they don't need to kind of work on this one-on-one in school, right? Um, and so I decided to take those goals and make a book series <laughs> out of them that parents could use. So I do have my first book in the series. It is a Lift the Flap War book series because I love Lift the Flaps. I think kids really enjoy that interactive piece and it's a board book so kids can't, you know, tear it completely apart so easily. Um, but it's targeting who, what, where, and yes, no questions. Something I'm constantly working on with my preschool that parents and caregivers can easily target. The book has the questions and the answers built right into it. It takes no thinking, no thought process, just a fun time. My main character is Lola Koala. She's a, a cute koala and she's a globe-trotting koala. So she travels to a uh, secret location in each book. Book one, she's traveling to, I'll give you guys a spoiler, she's in Egypt, guys. Um, so so uh, there are also some companion items, just like we talked about, Felice Wright kind of building up that theme is our thing. So there's a passport booklet with some passport stamps you can use to build up um, your excitement with the book. There's also some postcards from Egypt that the kiddos can actually write on and address and mail out to people, you know, grandma, grandpas, aunts and uncles. Um, and like you mentioned, there is a super interactive koala kit for all my kiddos who have to get hands on. They can do things like digging, excavating for treasure, 
doing sand art, they're painting with Egyptian themed stencils. There's more sticker work, just a whole bunch of fun in the Koala Kids. And all that is available um, at shop.lolakoala.com. And I'm super excited because book two is almost ready to be published as well. Another look the flatboard book. And that book is going to be targeting um, following directions. So I'm excited. <laughs> and so then does Lola Koala, I'm going to say it wrong, Lola Koala. Um, I want to write it. Lola Koala. Um, <laughs> does she go to different places and and all the like the plan is to have different places yes so each book while working on a specific communication skill really is targeting kind of travel concepts as well so she is traveling to a new place in every single book and so that means a new passport stamp a new set of postcards and a new koala kit for each book in the series very cool and i was i was just listening i haven't even finished it but i was starting to listen to this book called i don't know the author's name but it's the um the knowledge gap. And so it's been talking about how some kids are, you know, lacking in their just background knowledge about things so that when they're reading some of these non-fictional texts, they don't know what to grasp. So, I mean, it almost pairs, you know, all the language, but then also exposing the students to different places around the world and vocabulary related to it. So, it's sound and it sounds hands-on. So I will definitely put that in the show notes. Um, the board book's really cute and it has, it does have flaps. And I love the idea that you can, you know, even show a parent how to read the book just from, it's like a little lesson plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, yeah, I will put, so I'll put the link to that in the show notes so that you guys can check it out. It's super cute and it does. It ha it's totally designed by an SLP. <laughs> yeah. Look, I even have a companion, a free ebook that has like 75 more questions and answers that come for free with the book as well. So, oh, okay. You know, plenty well, of opportunities to ask questions. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tanita, for coming on the podcast. And if they want, if SLPs wanted to connect with you on social media, they would just go to at doctor dot t underscore slp that's it that's correct okay <laughs> and i will link that too in the show notes so definitely go to follow um tanita and yeah thanks again for coming on the show and talking about books with preschoolers um as always slps remember to be the slp that every kid wants to see and stay inspired and i will talk with y'all next week uh